What's up, listeners and supporters of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast? We need some help from you, and it won't take up too much of your time. As we grow, we always want to hear your feedback, so take a minute or two to fill out a short, anonymous survey. The survey link is right in the episode notes for this podcast. It's easy and takes less than five minutes. As always, we thank you for your continued support. Podcast episode 156. Dexter Emily Brian Fonseca here. You, wherever you are, hopefully staying safe. It is Thanksgiving week, and uh, everybody should have a lot to be thankful for. It's been an eventful year, that's for sure, to say the least. Um, a lot going on in the world of sports, a lot specifically in the National Basketball Association, where we've talked about this before in the podcast. Basketball is coming back very soon. It is starting December 22nd. So in just under a month, uh, at the time when you will hear this, just under a month away from the basketball season, and free agency has already started. And I don't know about you, Brian, but I've been glued to my phone the last couple of days looking at what every team is going to do, what the Knicks would do, what people are erroneously reporting, because you know it's imaginary (laughs) player season. A lot of that going on out there. It's been crazy, man. Um, how have you been consuming all this NBA free agency madness? Consuming it, uh, also working around it. Been doing some some stuff over on Deadspin with that. Uh, just did one today, well, yesterday for the time this podcast is released, about free agents who were under the radar, I felt like. And uh, there's actually a New York Nick on that list, the one you might not expect. Um you know, it's been very interesting just to sort of watch all of this unfold. Like, I've been glued to my phone ever since free agency started that Friday night. Uh, and literally, you know, I feel like, especially those those first 48 hours or so, you just feel like a lot is happening. Or maybe 36 hours, because once football came, there wasn't as much free agency news, but we still have gotten some. And I still feel like, because I looked up today, who are the best guys left? I may do something on on this at some point this week. Who are the best guys left over? And that was when I hit the group chat earlier today. I was like, yo, is Brandon Ingram like still – now he's restricted because the situation is different. If he wasn't restricted, he probably would have been signed somewhere. But I'm looking at this. I'm like, yo, why you know, why doesn't a team like the Knicks maybe step in and just throw a lot of money at him and see what happens? I'm sure New Orleans is planning on matching whatever the offer is. But like, that's more to say we still have some other shoes that have to fall here. And then there's obviously trades. Like, We don't know what's going to happen with Houston. We don't know what's going to happen with Washington. We don't know what's going to happen in a couple other places in the league. Even in New York City with Julius Randle, I'm still looking at this like, yo, this is someone – who could be part of a trade at some point, if not now, then when? So there are still a lot of things that have to happen. But as far as what's happened before and the big stuff, like we'll get into it. But like, yo, it's it's been a lot. And I think that the league, the league is in a very interesting place. There are a lot of teams who I feel like got better so far. And there's some where I'm just kind of like, ah, I don't really know. So we'll get into that. Yeah, the league is in an interesting place. I, I'm something short. A lot of the teams you think that were at the top, I'm not really sure how much they got better. I do think there's some teams that got better. There's definitely some teams at the bottom that got better. But how much better did they get? I don't know. All right, let's start with this. Um, What was your most surprising move? Because I think I had one that really jumped out to me. Where I I remember I saw the alert come in. I was like, wait, what? Oh, okay. Uh, What do you think has been the most surprising free agent signing of this offseason? Probably Montrez Harrell, actually. Yeah, that's that's where I, that's where I am because that was the yeah. one where I was, and I think I texted our group chat and was like, "Yo, what? Wow, okay." Yeah, and that was the one where so like that that was the first free agency signing that I was that I backed away from the phone. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean?" Like yeah, I gave yeah. one of those, and then I was and then I you know I thought about it for another forty five sixty seconds or whatever, and I was like, "Yo, this is actually a great move. Like this could potentially be a great move because." Is it- is it great? Well, individually, it's tough to say, right? But otherwise, like how he fits into everything going on with the Lakers, like I love, maybe not love, but I really like their roster construction right now compared to where it was a year ago. I feel like they've really? gotten significantly better. I feel like they've gotten significantly better in certain areas. Like I feel like Dennis Schroeder is a big upgrade. That I agree of- with. 
that they needed last year. That's one of my favorite acquisitions of the offseason so far is getting Dennis Schroeder from Oklahoma City. Um, Anthony Davis, we know that he's going to at some point resign and, you know, come back. Uh, Dwight Howard's not there, but you have Marcus Gasol, you have Montres Harrell. Um, I, you know, I feel like Montres Well, hold Harrell- on. Let's, let's, let's hold it there for one second. Yeah. Marcus Gasol signing as well, too. Two-year deal for the veterans minimum. Uh, Montres Harrell, two years $19 million, second year uh, is an option for the for, the, for him. Yeah. Here's my thing. This is where I'm going to push back on you. Not that I don't really disagree. Montrez Harrell, not a good defensive player. Marcus Gasol, former defensive player of the year, has been declining a little bit, but he helps stretch the floor. So you don't have the same kind of defensive athleticism that you had with Dwight and JaVale. That's true. This is a different look. I think it hurts him a little bit defensively, Makes him a little bit more adaptable to play against different teams, though, mm-hmm. offensively and defensively, if you want to put AD at the five. Is that kind of the way you see where you like what they did? Is is it the versatility that they have? Because if, so, if, if so, I understand your point. Yeah, I'm I'm all for playing AD at the five. I feel like he, in this league, he should be a five. Um, you, I mean, you have... You know, the resources you need to maybe push him to the four, but I feel like he'd be better suited to be your five right now. Especially, like, I could see a lineup, not to say this is a starting lineup, because I still think Montrezl Harrell's going to come off the bench. I don't know if he signs to the Lakers to be a starter, but I would think that he's probably going to come off the bench. And you're still looking at a lineup like LeBron James, uh, Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell, Anthony Davis to maybe close out games or something along those lines. Maybe KCP is in there instead of uh, Kyle Kuzma on some nights. I did like that they brought back KCP because I thought he earned his money in the playoffs and he's a good fit there You know, next to LeBron. He's one of those guys that just works there. Alice Caruso is a legitimately good defender at their guard spot. And I think that he's somebody who's going to get a lot of minutes too. They kept Markeith Morris, so I kind of, I really don't forget, like. Don't forget the West Matthews signing too. And West Matthews, I mm-hmm. really like that one. So they have they have more guards definitely than I like. I feel like their bigs defensively maybe dropped off a little bit. But when you have Anthony Davis and I think Montrezl Harrell, like he's one of those dudes like I really like the fit with him next to LeBron. LeBron needs goons around him. You know what I'm saying? Like, a, a star like that on any level in any sport, like, if you have a Tom Brady, if you have a LeBron James, if you have a, mm, I, I would probably say Mike Trout, but, like, baseball is kind of a different sport. You know what I mean? But in certain sports and team sports, you got to put goons around your star players. You know what I mean? And having Montrezl Harrell as an enforcer type who could also go out and get you 15, 16, 18 points a game, I think that's something that's going to be valuable for the Lakers. It's going to be interesting to see with the Lakers. Obviously, people the other way people look at it is it, hey, it hurt the Clippers, but in the Clippers, they go and sign Serge Ibaka. They bring back uh, Marcus Ooh. Morris. Uh, I think Serge Ibaka is a great fit. Probably yeah. helps them a little bit better defensively in stretches. It looks like the Clippers are changing sort of the way they might play, but I still think the thing that comes down to them is they're going to need a point guard. They don't have that yet. But like you said, Brian, this isn't just about free agency. There's still a long way to go. There's still other moves that need to be made. All right, I'm going to hit through. We'll talk through some pieces. Did you like what the Clippers did losing Harold, but bringing in Ibaka, bringing back Morris? Did you like those moves? I love I love the Ibaka signing because I think he's actually a better fit uh, for that team next to Paul George and Kawhi than uh, is Montrez Harrell. Like, you can argue he's even the better player or whatever. Like, I don't think that matters as much here as who's who fits better where. I think that Harrell actually fits better on the Lakers and I think Ibaka fits better on the Clippers. I think with Patrick Beverly there, I mean... He's your point guard, but he's not really a playmaker. And clearly, you know, we saw the reports earlier in the summer talking about, or maybe not even the summer, maybe that was earlier in the fall, talking about Kawhi Leonard wanting an actual point guard, seeing if they could get Chris Paul, seeing if they could get this. They haven't gone out and done that. And I still wonder, because you did mention trades, I still wonder if there's a trade to be made there with the Clippers being that, like, Lou Williams is on a tradable contract, and I don't really know like how much he has left. He didn't look great toward the end of last season, and he is somebody who, remember, came out of high school 15 years ago. He's going into his 16th year, like with all due respect, because Lou Williams is great and one of the players I've really liked watching over the last 15 years. But when is that going to sort of you know deteriorate from a basketball standpoint, right? And then you know keeping Marcus Morris, I think was a good move. I thought it was predictable because like you know you gave up a first round pick for him. Um, 
some people are nervous about committing to some of those dudes long term that you trade for at the trade deadline. But I think he's a good fit for what they do. But I think that they needed, they still need to figure some things out. They got Luke Kennard in the trade earlier, like on draft night. I found that to be I almost very forgot, interesting. I almost forgot about that one, right? Yeah, I found that to be very interesting, and I'm curious to see how he fits there. Is he going to take up uh, some of those Lou Williams minutes? Is he going to become, you know, or Lou Williams or in that sort of role? You know what I mean? As a lefty sort of combo guard who may come off the bench, uh, may even start. I don't know. Like, I don't I don't know what, what they're going to do with Luke Kennard, but I found that to be a very interesting acquisition. I think the Clippers, looking at the roster, I feel like they they need to do something else because I actually think – if I'm power ranking the rosters I like the most in the Western Conference, to me, they're probably fourth, if I'm being honest. Behind who? Lakers, Denver? Portland. Wow. Um, let's talk about the Trailblazers then, too. Let's go there. Because their team, I've liked a lot of the moves they made. I really, really, really have liked a yeah. lot of the moves that they've made here. I don't know. Yeah. I think they definitely got better. I think they shored up their depth. Let's start with what they've done so far. They traded for Robert Covington, hefty price, gave up two picks. They also bring back Carmelo Anthony. They mm. brought back Rodney Hood on a very friendly deal. It's a lot of bringing back. They brought back after he left Enos Cantor to now come and back up Nurk, and they had that good Western Conference Finals run when Cantor was on the team. Am I missing somebody else that they signed? I think that's. I think those were all their major ones. Two of in the, in the story that I did about the underrated or under-the-radar signings, two of them were from Portland. One of the main five, Derek Jones Jr. For me, yes, I, I forgot like about that, Derek Jones Jr. I feel like that's a very underrated signing, was the fourth best uh, in the NBA last year at defending the three-point shot, had shooters at the three-point line when guarded by Derek Jones Jr. only hit 27% from three. Mm-hmm. First in that category was Avery Bradley, and I'll get to him in a, in a little Not bit later. Not on the Lakers, probably. but with the Heat. Yeah. yeah, I'll get to him a little bit later on. But Derek Jones Jr., I feel like, is a great signing for them. In a fast break, he I mean, with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum commanding a lot of attention, he could finish. And he's somebody who I think is going to come off the bench and play valuable, maybe 20 minutes a game for that team. His scoring got better. His three-point shot is still not very good, but it has gotten better. But he's become more than just this dunker. Like, he was so good as a dunker in the NBA G League, rather, and in college, that after seven NBA games, we threw him in the dunk contest, and then Phoenix ended up cutting him down the line. Miami brought him in and helped him develop, and he became a real rotation guy for a team that ended up going to the championship, although he kind of got phased out in the playoffs because they got Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala, so he kind of was the the odd man out, but he got a good deal. I think that's something that's going to help Portland because they need defense. So I'm thinking, like, yo, what is the lineup with Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum? Derek Jones Jr., Robert Covington, and Yusuf Nurkic look like because that's something that might close out games if they need some defense. Or you put in Carmelo Anthony instead of Derek Jones Jr. or Robert Covington, who's having the better night. Like they have a lot of options that they can go uh, go with. Enos Cantor, I think, is a very good backup to Yusuf Nurkic, by the way. Gary Trent Jr., we got to see what's up with him. Anthony Simons is somebody who I actually think, you know, was pretty good at the beginning of last year and then kind of faded a little bit. Uh, we still have to see, like, Portland is actually in a position where you look at the roster, there's a trade that they can still probably make. Like, you can get something if you package Anthony Simons, Nasir Little, uh, and maybe a Harry Giles, who I put as oh, that was, somebody, an- that was know, another one they picked up, right, Not Harry Giles. I, I wrote about him being a long shot as an underrated signing because of the injury history, but he's still 22, and Portland doesn't really get to – like, they don't draft guys who are going to contribute right away, so this is, like, a good project for them to take on. I'm not sure how much he's actually going to play, but I think that maybe at some point down the line you package Anthony Simons, Nasir Little, Harry Giles, some sort of draft compensation, and maybe you attach a contract that you don't want anymore and see what you can get. Like, Portland could be in a position where they can make a move and go up more in the Western Conference because right now they're, I'm looking at the roster. They're like 10, 11 guys deep. Yeah, see, that's the thing for me. They are probably now one of the deepest teams, if not the deepest team in the NBA. I think they're def- definitely the deepest team in the Western Conference. That may bode well for them in this regular season, this shortened regular season, and we'll see how it helps them in the playoffs. A uh, couple quick hitters on Western Conference teams. Uh, Jazz, uh, they brought back Derek Favors. They also re-signed Jordan Clarkson. Then they also... Uh, extended Donovan Mitchell, as many people expect expected to the Nets extension. Yep. So some good moves there. Denver, uh, team who was in the Western Conference Finals, 
They lose Jer- Jeremy uh, Jeremy Grant. He goes to Detroit. A lot of rumors here. Uh, three for 60. That's what he got going to Detroit. Rumors that Denver offered him the same thing. But Grant was promised by Troy Weaver uh, in Detroit that he would get a bigger role in the offense. And that's where he went. Look, I told I somebody. I said somebody. Look, if you're Jeremy Grant and you're feeling yourself and you think you can do better with yourself in your game, I understand going for that. I also understand because one of my friends would say, Denver messed up. They, they're going to be so bad because they let him go. I also understand Denver's position too. I think Jeremy Grant is very valuable, but do you want to pay him $20 million a year for what he does? And I think it's fair to say, nah, I might not want to do that. Somebody like Detroit can do that. Now they went and signed Jermichael Green to replace him. We'll see how much that hurts him. I think it hurts him. How much it hurts him, I don't know. But it's also fair to question because Denver's perimeter defense not that good. Yeah, and th- look, they have a couple guys who are very interesting to me because we we still like we 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 feel like we know Michael Porter Jr. is going to be pretty good. We don't know to what level, but we feel like he's going to be pretty good. I think this year we're kind of going to find out uh, more or less to what degree this is a big year for him. And Jeremy Grant leaving actually opens that up because he's going to get a lot of minutes at forward anyway. Uh, don't know what's going to happen with Gary Harris, but he needs to be better than he was. Uh, R.J. Hampton was a draft pick that I really found interesting. I don't know if he's going to contribute right away, but I think at some point Denver's shown they could develop some players. Like Word. I would say that they're up there with some of the other teams. Like we throw Miami up there, uh, we've Toronto. thrown the Nets up there, we've thrown Toronto up there. I feel like Denver should be there because of what they've done with Jamal Murray and Jokic and Nurkic before he ended up going to Portland. Uh, you know what I mean? And now Michael Porter Jr. So with RJ Hampton, he was somebody I thought had potential going into the draft, like one of the highest ceilings. I was telling you this, like I could see him being somebody who contributes right away and becoming the guy that we thought coming out of high school was going to be one of these top picks. Now with Denver, I feel better about that because there's a path to him taking Gary Harris' spot and being a very good backcourt mate with with Jamal Murray, maybe two, three years down the line. Some are always looking for more sports content, and among the glut of sports media, some are looking for sports content that dives a bit deeper and doesn't just stick to sports. So check out Backpack Broadcasting's original long-form sports journalism series, Sideline Stories. The award-winning original series takes viewers directly into underrepresented communities within the world of sports. It's a series that goes beyond traditional sports reporting, like box scores and statistics, presenting exclusive stories that you won't find anywhere else. With a diverse group of correspondents, the series provides interviews and interesting stories around the world of sports, because there is so much beyond the game, and so much that occurs off the field or court that impacts each of us and the world we live in. Giving a voice to athletes, coaches, fans, and everyone involved in athletics, Sideline Stories looks to push sports storytelling further than ever before. It's a winner of the 2020 Independent Shorts Awards, and all episodes of Sideline Stories are available for viewing today on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and Facebook page. What Were there any, any, te- any teams that shocked you, any other moves that shocked you? I think there's a definite what-the-fuck moment that happened in free agency. I think it's <laughs> undi- undeniably what-the-fuck moment. Like, look, Montrezl Harrell was shocking, but you know what was more shocking? Gordon Hayward getting $30 million from Michael Jordan and the Hornets. What in the world was that? It's not that he went to... Now, to reset for folks, if you weren't in the know, Gordon Hayward opted out of his contract in the Celtics. There was probably some talk about whether or not he was going to try to do a sign-and-trade with the Celtics. Possibility he could have left. He got rumored to the Knicks. Which gave me a lot of concern. I didn't like what I didn't like that when I heard that. I wanted no part of him uh, with the blue and orange. Didn't want that. Some rumors about him going to Indiana, but Danny Ainge trying to be a little too greedy and wanted too much more. But here's the thing, B. I think we understood what the game was for Gordon Hayward. He was making thirty-four million dollars in his final year with the Celtics. He's been really injured. By him even talking about opting out, was a couple things. Either he didn't like being in Boston anymore. Probably because the guys on the team were looking at him like, you make the most money. You're not the best player on the team. That could have been a problem. Or two, he didn't trust his body and was like, look, let me try to cash in on some guaranteed dollars and forego a couple million. Now, I thought if he... I would have did that too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, 
totally understood that, right? Yeah. I understand that business decision, looking at your body, looking at how things have gone down. But here's the thing, B. I thought, okay, he jumps out. Maybe he gets another deal. Somebody's going to give him some money. He's going to sacrifice at least seven, eight, maybe even $10 million on a per year. He only sacrificed four mil for this year and got $30 million to go to the Charlotte Hornets, who we should also, people should remember, have previously given what became a bad contract, even though I like the player, Nicholas Batum, five for 126 uh, a couple years. I was back a couple years ago in 2016. And they had to wave and stretch him just so they could get Gordon Hayward in here. Look, Gordon Hayward, nice player. Is he worth $30 million a year? No. But the thing is, Michael Jordan is the Michael Jordan of owners. Bad owners, that I should say. Let me clarify that. It's Michael Jordan of bad owners. Yeah. Only he would sign off on this. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe some other owners that we know, too. But only he would sign off for this. I think this was bad. I do not like this for Charlotte. I don't understand why they did it. He does not fit in the timeline with any of their young guys. And you know what this made me feel like after I saw this? And we'll get to this in a second. Oh, you know what? Thank you. The Knicks didn't do anything that were messed up. The Knicks actually, have they had a great offseason? Have they got a bunch of people in here that would excite you? No. But you know what the Knicks did for once? They didn't do anything that would F it up. They didn't fuck it up. They didn't mess it up at all. They actually looked kind of competent. We'll get to that in a bit. But competent, yeah. not looking for Charlotte. I don't understand this move. Make it make sense because I don't get it. Yeah, I'm going to do Charlotte, then we'll do Knicks, and then we'll do, like, best and worst of the East or, 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 and go sounds along those. Good, sounds good to me. I'm looking at the Hornets' death chart right now, and I'm noticing that, oh, by the way, Devontae, Graham, Terry Rozier, and LaMelo Ball are still teammates. Uh, somebody got to get traded, right? Like, Terry Rozier is probably the guy. The likely well, guy. I think, look, that, that's a movable contract. I think you could actually get something back for that. Uh, he's making 19 million for the next two years. Like, and Terry Rozier had a good season last year. He's somebody that I thought the Knicks uh, could probably get in some sort of trade this year if they didn't land a point guard, and they kind of didn't. So maybe they could do that, but it seems like they're not even going to go that route. Um, but you know, if you wanted to do Julius Randle for Terry Rozier, would you really be mad at that right now? No, yeah. no. Yeah, I, I, I probably would have said no a year ago, but now I wouldn't say no. Yeah. I, you could argue uh, pretty convincingly that he had a better season than Julius Randle did last year, all things considered. Though I think Julius Randle was good, like legitimately good. How many years year. are left on Terry Rozier's contract? Two? Two. Just two. Okay. $19 million each. And Julius Randle has the one with the team option, though. So the Knicks could actually be like, yo, give us a pick. You know what I mean? Like there's something there that can be done. Uh, Charlotte could use Julius Randle to play the four unless they, or to play alongside P.J. Washington at the four or five or whatever the case may be because Cody Zeller is still the center. That's something that, I, that would make sense to me. But but they they need to figure out what's going on there. But like I, I'm pretty entertained by just Devontae Graham and LaMelo Ball and Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier potentially uh, being on the same team. Um, I'm not sure how much this helps Miles Bridges, which is another sort of thing for me. I mean, not to say that Miles Bridges is ever going to be as good as Gordon Hayward one day, but I mean, you know, reasonably, like he can be a pretty damn good player in this league. We've already seen some good flashes from him, and now he's going to, it looks like he's going to be coming off the bench. Uh, Gordon Hayward next to PJ Washington, also fascinating to me. Um, and just Gordon Hayward and everything that comes with him in general going to Michael Jordan. Uh, I actually think this Charlotte team. Like could potentially sneak into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, but I just don't trust Gordon Hayward's health, and I feel like in typical Charlotte Hornet fashion, this is going to blow up in their face. And I'm kind of with the people who were saying, "Wow, you couldn't even offer Kemba the max, and like you're going out and getting Gordon Hayward." Like, you know what I mean? Granted, Devontae Graham was good last year, but he wasn't Kemba Walker good. And by the way, the Boston component of this, I actually don't think this hurts Boston all that much. Like, people, I've heard a couple people or a few people talk about, like, oh, now Boston's definitely regressed or whatever the case may be. And I'm like, Gordon Hayward was barely available the last three seasons. And how much are they actually losing? Because by losing him, you're not losing much given he didn't give you much the time he was here. And then with Jason Tatum, is probably going to take another step. Jalen Brown's probably going to take another step. They'll have another year of experience with Kemba Walker leading the show. Marcus Smart is going to be there. And then Tristan Thompson, 
I thought was an excellent pickup for them. An excellent pickup because this is, he's exactly what they need at the center position, along with Daniel Tice, who's actually coming back. I'm like, you have a perfect, a damn near perfect situation. Like, these are the kind of centers you need to complement those guys. So I actually think Boston's going to be fine and is still a contender uh, around the same level they were last year. Their bigger problems are that Miami and Brooklyn has gotten better, uh, and Philly is actually, like, you know, looking pretty interesting. But we'll get to that in a little bit. But as far as the Knicks, I wanted to say about the Knicks real quick because you mentioned that. Um, I don't hate their offseason. Now, I didn't hate their offseason that much last year. But this is objectively better than that because they didn't go big, crazy. I still think it's a little disappointing that they haven't gotten a point guard yet, like a real one. Alfred Payton, Austin Rivers, whatever. Frank Nilakina, I mean, maybe he just shows you that he's a point guard this year. Emmanuel Quickly is not a point guard to me. He's a shooting guard. And then Dennis Smith Jr. is a variable that I have no idea what he's going to do. But I can see the path around their team where it's like they're clearly building around R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin. Like, it's clear that the offense— And Mitchell Robinson. And Mitchell Robinson. But it's clear that the offense, at least, is going to run through— R.J. Barrett and Obi Toppin. It should be R.J. one. It should be Obi or Julius Randle two, and the other one third, because Julius Randle's still there, and, you know, who knows? You want to get something for Julius Randle at the end of the day. And Mitchell Robinson, last thing I'll say on the Knicks, Mitchell Robinson has to play 30 minutes a game, period. I I have no problem. I only have one issue with the Knicks offseason thus far. There's a, there's a couple things I would have liked to see them do, right? I was an, I'm a rational Knicks fan. Didn't expect them to get anybody really big. If they were going to throw their money at somebody, somebody that was maybe a little bit young to primish that fit in the timeline with these young guys. So I would have liked to have seen them throw an offer at Bogdan Bogdanovich. That's something I wanted them to see them do. I thought he yeah. was the kind of guy they want. Obviously, I've stated I would have liked to have seen them draft the point guard. They did not do that. But Alfred Payton, I didn't need to see him again. All right? I didn't need to see Alfred Payton again. Uh, he might be, and this is no knock to Alfred Payton, he might be the worst starting point guard in the league if he starts for the Knicks. Because if it was up to me, I'd start Austin Rivers over him any day right now. Because you know why? He's going to shoot a little bit better. Um, he probably wants an opportunity to see if he can run a team with a little bit more. Why not give Austin Rivers a chance? I'm not saying Austin Rivers is your point guard in the future. I'm just saying he's a stopgap guy that's going to be a little bit more aggressive offensively. You know, Alfred Payton. I, I wish he were a better playmaker. That's all I would say. I wish he were a better he, playmaker. Which he's not. Well, I, like to me, if you would combine a, Rivers and and Payton, you might be a little bit happier on certain things. But you can't. Chris Duhon, <laughs> man, Chris no. Duhon. Look, you might be a little happy on certain things, but overall, I'm with you. Okay, the, Alfred Payton is not better than Chris Duhon. He is not. He is not. He is not. Actually, Chris Duhon, actually, especially that first year he was with the Knicks, he was actually all right. Well, yeah, I can't believe right. I can't believe we just had Chris Duhon in the conversation. Alfred Payton in this conversation. Because <laughs> I want, I want an MVP with Chris Duhon in NBA 2K10. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. It's a 14 assists per game. His jumper was automatic in that game. That was a really fun team. Before they got 14 assists per game. Wow, yeah, okay. Wow. Okay. Got Mario, yeah, oh, you see, you had, you had David Lee and you had, what is it? David uh, Lee was automatic in 2K. You yeah. never miss. Yeah, never miss him. Because I used to use different teams, you know, Knicks, Sonics, whatever. So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, I, I, yeah, no, like, I'm not mad at the offseason what they did. Alec Burke signing is a nice signing. That's a cool uh, I, I think Austin Rivers was a fine signing. I think even Nerlens Noel is a backup. Um, you got some guys with some stuff to prove. That are young, Hucky. Uh, I guess Hucky. I was about to say Kentucky. That's why I said that. They're full of Kentucky guys on this roster. There's a lot of Kentucky and CAA guys. But it's fine. I think what the Knicks are going to have to do, what they hope for this year, is that Julius Randle plays well. He is an asset to be moved at the deadline. I see a lot of Knicks fans talking about, well, why haven't they traded him now? I don't see that happening now. I see that as a move happening closer to the deadline. Hopefully his value is a little bit higher. Unless if you can get something from now, then do it and start OB right away. But I don't think the Knicks are the way they've done this. If there's nobody they thought that was really good for them to spend the money on, they're being patient. They're letting these young guys develop. And I actually think for once, in a two-year period, you've seen them do the right thing in the offseason. They haven't mortgaged the future. They've kept flexibility. They're allowing the young guys to develop. This is sort, at least for now, seems like the rebuild that we've been waiting for. The next thing that's going to be on them is they're going to have to go find a point guard, whether it's through the draft next year, whether it's through trading for one. you got to get a point guard in here, especially to make guys like RJ and OB better. But I'm not, as a Knicks fan, 
I'm not particularly upset with what the offseason is. If you're an irrational Nick fan, you will be upset because you probably yeah. wanted him to go get Russell Westbrook. This year is not the year for that. Next year, look, the point, the, the main thing is, and I'm going to ask you a question at the end of this. The main thing is you need to develop, just get better, play hard, put yourself in a position like kind of like the Nets did before KD and Kyrie yeah. to be like, yo, okay, we're ready. Like RJ's pretty good now. Obi had a good rookie year. We made a couple moves at the deadline to get more, you know, picks or whatever the case may be. Like, we're ready. Come join us. You know, that's what you want for 2021. And then you walk away with a couple free agents. They don't even need to be two of the top five guys necessarily, though that'd be nice. But you want to just keep moving in this right direction. Now, I want to ask you reasonably your expectations this year for RJ Barrett at Obi Toppin, statistically or otherwise, or what? You know, I was, talking, I was talking to a friend about this. I was talking to my boy about this, who's also a, a long-time, long-suffering Knicks fan like myself. Uh, I don't – for RJ, the, the, I think the biggest statistical measure for me and with, with him would be I want to be see you be able to hit free throws yep. <laughs> at I a good rate. before you said it. Yeah, that's the thing for me because then that means we can have the ball in your hands late, and that also means you're probably getting more confident with your jumper. I need to see that. I need to see you at least – over 72% and above from the line this season, that would be a significant leap if you're going to be take that next jump. For Mitchell Robinson, to me, it's learning how to play on the floor, play 30 minutes, and stay out of foul trouble. For Obi Toppin, there's going to be some growing pains, but can you be aggressive? Can you bring the energy that the team needs? And can you play within the system? And can you get better defensively? Those are things I want to see. I want to see the team play hard. I think Thibodeau will demand it, and I want to see that there is a clear clear culture set in terms of the way they practice, in terms of the way they play, and that the young guys on this team that we're talking about, they buy into the culture. So that when other people come in, they also buy into the culture. And I'm hoping for this, because Tom Thibodeau, you're from the Pat Riley tree. And we always talk about the Miami Heat culture. And yeah. we know And we're that, about to again. <laughs> and we know about that. We'll get that as we get segment in a second. But bring some of that old school Knicks, hard working, hard practices, Everybody, iron sharpens iron culture here. That's what we need to see. But it takes these young players buying in, listening to what he has to say, and we'll take it from there. I'm not going to put a thing on wins. I have no idea what that could be for the Knicks. And quite frankly, I don't really care because they ain't winning anything this year. So it's just get better, get stronger. Now, yeah. you're I my – Obi. I can see Obi as a rookie, by the way, walking in and averaging like 12 or so per game. I can see that. Yeah, I can on. see that. Twenty-two years old, like he's a good player. I don't. I I have questions about what his ceiling eventually is going to be, but the Amari Stoudemire comparisons are interesting to me because I don't think they're necessarily wrong. Although I don't, I wouldn't project that he's going to be twenty-three and nine for however many straight seasons. But I think he could be like a version of that, whatever a lesser version of that is. You know, yeah, I'd sign. For, I'd sign for that, and that's fine. Now, uh. Teams that did good in the East, teams that we thought maybe didn't do so good in the East. I thought Atlanta had a pretty good and interesting way of spending their money with their offseason. Chris uh, Dunn. They, Chris Dunn. Chris that's Dunn. A, that's a big signing for them to have him next to Trey Young. Yep. I wrote about that also. Him got, and Rondo, that's, that's very good in their backcourt. Smart signings. Dunn can't shoot, but he can defend really well. Having him next to Trey Young is going to help a lot. The best on-ball defender in the NBA last year. Yep. Rajon Rondo, steady. We know what he can do. I've always liked Rondo. He's going to help that team. He's going to help Trey Young with a lot of his leadership. They got Gallo. It looks at the time of us recording this podcast as if the Sacramento Kings will not match and they will get Bogdanovich. Um, Would have liked to see him come to the Knicks. But I wonder if Sacramento will match. Who knows? Either way, they significantly improved their team. It looks like they could be the team that can sneak into the eighth spot. I think they did a good job. I thought, yeah, you brought up Philadelphia before. Philadelphia adding shoot all through trades, not signing. So we should say this about Philadelphia. It hasn't, wasn't, it hasn't been free agency for Philly. It's been trades. They get Danny Green. Uh, they prime away from OKC. They get Seth Curry. I thought that was a really nice move. And a really good trade for both teams. And Josh Richardson going back to the Mavericks, who needed some defense on the perimeter. So I thought that was a good trade for both teams there. Uh, now you're looking at Embiid and Simmons, and they got some shooting around them. And that looks kind of good for them, and we'll see what they can do now they have some shooters. But we'll, the big question will be, will Ben Simmons shoot? We will not, not, not know the answer to that. <laughs> the other team is Miami, is Miami's uh, Heat, Brian's team. Uh, they make some <laughs> – It's your team, man. It's your team. Team Heat culture over there. 
Uh, they make some moves. Look, they bring back Drogic on a two-year deal. Uh, second year is not guaranteed. They lose Jay Crowder, which was nice signing by Phoenix. Uh, but they bring back Myers Leonard. They bring Avery Bradley, which I thought was a nice low-cost replacement. I'm an Avery Bradley fan. I think that I actually think that's a bigger loss for the Lakers than people are talking about. He was very steady last year. And look at their numbers in the games he played and the games that Rondo played when they had some injuries. They played very well. This is a good signing for Miami. I think somebody who will help, who will fit right into E culture. He's going to muck it up. He's going to get in your face. He's going to space and hit some threes. Look, Miami didn't lose much, but the best thing about Miami to me is not about them getting better. It's just another year of these guys being together. Duncan Robinson's going to be better. Tyler Hero's going to be better. Bam's going to be better. And they haven't messed up any of their flat, uh, excuse me, I can't talk, cap flexibility sure. for the following offseason. So that's the best thing about if you're a Heat fan like Brian, that you're going to love <laughs> this, that you have all this flexibility for the following season. Brian, so, what do you like about your Miami Heat? <laughs> Avery Bradley, remember the stat I gave you about Derrick Jones Jr.? Avery Bradley was actually first in that category, opposing mm. a three-point percentage, 25% only against Avery Bradley last year in his 10th year at the NBA. Let me tell you something about Avery Bradley. He was probably the main defender that I studied when I was in high school. Let me explain. This also shows the listeners how how young you are. How young? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's so, that how old I am. Avery Bradley came in as one of the best high school players. Uh, period. Like full stop. When he came into Texas, had his one year there. I remember the Celtics drafted him. He didn't play that much in ten and eleven. In eleven, twelve, that's when he started playing more. I just happened to be a senior at high school during that time. Avery Bradley was one of the guys that my brother was like, yo, you should pay attention to how he plays defense. Cause my, cause my brother put defense, like he was a defender when he played. So I was like that. I was pretty good my junior year, but I got way better my senior year. Avery Bradley was one of the guys that I used to watch. Now I didn't have the wingspan that he did, but I did have like enough quickness. Nah, nah. Sure, sure people problems. <laughs> nah, a lot of my steals, a lot of my steals will come from like, you know, interceptions and, you know, shit like that. Not so much uh, pickpocketing. But, can, I ask you, can, can I ask you a question that I don't think I've ever asked you on or off this podcast? This is, great. is there any footage of you playing high school basketball? Because I'd like to see it. I got to find some. I don't, like, not that I ever... Because at that time, we weren't really, like, recording as much stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know what I mean? Like, that kind of... We were, like, the era right before. Now everything. Forget it. Like, now everything is on yeah, camera. yeah, yeah. yeah. We didn't play at a big. I, I, I didn't play at a big school either. I, maybe I could find something. No, I just, I, I just, I just, I just wondered. I would like to see Young Fonseca given, yeah. given, given the defensive intensity on the court. That's all I like. I to said see. all right. I was, I was better at guarding shooters than ball handlers, though. Like, cause I, I knew how to piss off shooters the most. It was great. It was yeah. great. There was. We played this one school, Saint Demetrius. They had this kid who was a Greek kid, a sharpshooter. Uh, used to shoot mad threes a game or whatever. One game, I just followed him around or whatever. I used to put my head in his chest. Like, I was mad annoying. <laughs> I was so you, you were like the John Stark to your team. I was such a, he, he had like seven points that game, so I was proud of that. Um, <laughs> so what's it called? Surprise, what's it's fight called? interrupt. Nah, I mean, well, that was earlier in my career than I, you know, sort of. <laughs> okay, yeah. One, one day, I got to tell you about the day that I locked up a dude who was six foot five in the post. It is hilarious. Folks, if you're listening to this podcast, you can see what short people like Brian live for. They live for moments like that. The day I locked up a 6'5", dude. I get it, too. He ended up playing in college. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, you know, it was a stack. But you, but, but you, but, like, but, you but, like Avery Bradley. But I like Avery Bradley. Uh, I actually think he could start. I actually think we may see a starting lineup that's Avery Bradley, Tyler Hero in the backcourt with Jimmy Butler. As of now, Mo Harkless at the four, which I actually kind of like. about signing. Um, and, uh, Bam Adebayo. However, I think, I don't, I don't know that they're going to do this, but there's an obvious pathway for the Heat to make a trade that I still feel like they haven't done yet. The obvious package we've been talking about is like, like me and you have been talking about, or that I've mentioned, I think on the podcast or maybe off the podcast or whatever, but I've always said, and you've seen me say this, like Kendrick Nunn, Kelly Olynyk, and a first round pick. What can that get you now? In looking at it, Andre Iguodala's contract 
that's something that could be moved because it's like 14, 15 ish or whatever the case may be. Maybe the package is Andre Iguodala. You add them into that. Maybe you keep none or maybe you keep them all there, whatever, take out the pick, like you figure out how to make it work and you get LaMarcus Aldridge. I think that's the player that they should target right now because if I'm LaMarcus Aldridge or if I'm DeMar DeRozan either, why would I want to stay in San Antonio right now? They've clearly, like, they even lost Bryn Forbes. Like, they're not going to do much this year. If I'm Aldridge, I'm on an expiring contract. I want to win. I feel like that's somebody who you could slide him into the four. Mo Harkless comes off the bench and still gets consistent minutes because he's going to help them a lot. But they still have depth. They have, as, as of right now, they still have Kendrick Nunn, Andre Iguodala, uh, Mo Harkless, Myers Leonard, who's going to play and who had a big role for them as a starter last year before getting phased out. And... And and Duncan Robinson as well, and Goran Dragic. So there's depth all over the place still. And their first-round pick, Precious Oshawa. When they got him, that was one of those dudes where I was like, of course. Like, of course he goes to Miami because it just makes all the sense in the world. Like, this is somebody who could have been easily a top-10 pick, and he's probably going to be good, like, if not right away, then by year two. And by the way, Miami still has this <clears throat> this sort of guy, KZ Akpala, second-round pick last year. Didn't really play much this year. Had an Achilles injury. Not a torn Achilles, but it just kind of like a nagging Achilles injury. Only saw a little bit of him this year. He's a guy that's like 6'7", almost 6'8", probably a stretch four in the NBA, though he could play some three. He could shoot. He could defend. He He's like, you know, very versatile. I think he's somebody we're going to see a good amount of this year. And, you know, that team is going to be deep again. And people are going to be like, oh, how come we didn't see this shit coming? And you're like, I did because I love the Miami Heat. That's why <laughs> you'll say that. No, so it's been an interesting uh, already offseason in the NBA. A lot of good moves. Um, there's a lot more to come, uh, even some late ones before we did this podcast. DeMarcus Cousins signing with the Rockets. Who knows what's going to happen with the Rockets? Will Westbrook get traded? Will Harden get traded? Will John Wall get traded in in Washington? And now they're on their damage control saying that I hope not. he didn't ask. I, yo, can I say something real quick? I, I don't think so. He, he should either. I, I actually think Washington is going to be all right this year. Like, if John Wall is healthy, and I don't know, like, look, with John Wall, with Kevin Durant, with Kyrie Irving, with – uh, Steph Curry, though not as much Steph Curry because we did see him a little bit and he only had a hand injury. Like, I don't really know what to expect for a lot of these dudes. But I actually think that if, if John Wall is reasonably healthy, re- reasonably healthy, excuse me. It could be okay. With Bradley Beal, Thomas Bryant, Davis Bertans, and you're in the East, I'm like, oh, they, they could sneak into the AC. They almost got it last year with just Bradley Beal, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, they actually have some additions in terms of and that. Rui Hachimura. Rui Hachimura, Denny Avija, who they, they just drafted. Avidija, uh, who they just drafted, he, who could play the point forward. Yeah, I, I think that they can be okay. But from what I hear from people close to the situation, he is not happy. Uh, John Wall is happy the way they've handled things, so it sounds like they got to mend some fences. But they better do it soon. Ah, right, you know there'll be more NBA drama for sure. There'll be a lot more to talk about on that front. Um, but uh, like I said, Brian's right. Yeah, we've seen a lot of signings, but there still could be a lot more wheeling and dealing. It is not over. But in about a week after we've all had the turkey settle in our stomach, all the other good stuff, training camp is going to open. So it, it's it's right here. The NBA season's right around the corner. One more trade thing to watch out for, too. I mentioned uh, maybe Miami could get LaMarcus Aldridge. Maybe Brooklyn could get him, too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Brooklyn's another team. Like I feel like they still have a move to make because they have the Dinwiddie and Jared Allen expiring just sitting there. And by all indications, I don't think Jared Allen's getting an extension because they're committed to DeAndre Jordan because Kevin Durant's there. Um, and Spencer Dinwiddie, I don't think they're going to sign him long term either because you're committed to Kyrie Irving. So I think that's a package. Like Miami has a package. Brooklyn has a package. I think they can both go after somebody like LaMarcus Aldridge, or maybe the Nets go in a different direction and try to get somebody uh, else. I don't know who that would be, but I think both those teams still have a trade to make. And that's going to be interesting because they're two of the four or five best teams in the East right now on paper, so we'll see. Shall, it shall be interesting, but uh agency trade season shall continue. One time for your mom, one time. One time for your mom, one time. All right, one time for your mind this week. Uh, Ryan uh, has something in an area of topic that he loves that is near and dear to his heart and shouldn't be surprised for many, and it involves violence. What a shock. What do you have, Ryan? Well, according to you, not real violence, but that's another discussion for another day. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no, no. I mean, look, some 
Sometimes it is. But, um, and this person's been at the center of some of that uh, Hell in a Cell mass 1998, for example. But Undertaker retired after 30 years, uh, 30 years to the day of his debut, Survivor Series 1990. Uh, he actually, I, I, actually, I actually remember that. He actually retired, too. I thought there could have been an angle, like maybe Bray Wyatt comes out, interrupts, and then they have this other match at WrestleMania. But it looks like The Undertaker's done for real. Like, they had a lot of people come out. Um, they had uh, Mick Foley was there. Triple H was there. The Godwins were there. The Godfather was there. I believe Ric Flair was there, if I'm not mistaken. My man Savio Vega came through with the big Puerto Rican flag. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was there also. So... It was pretty cool, and then Undertaker had a speech at the end, and then midway through, I was kind of like, "Oh, this is really like it," you know what I mean? So that 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 was kind of interesting. See a lot of people paying respects. I mean, you could make a compelling argument that, based on longevity and a lot of the other things that he's accomplished, that he may be the best WWE uh, performer ever. Um, I wouldn't put him at number one, though. I would put him very high on that list. And like, yo, like it's another sign that. And you're not going to like that I'm about to say this, but it's another sign that I'm like, damn, I'm kind of getting a little older. Yeah, shut up. Yeah, shut up. Here's why I say shut up. I, I remember, because I this is back when I used to watch wrestling, I remember The Undertaker making that Survivor Series appearance and being like, who is this dude? And everything that he's doing. So, I mean, he's different. He was like a, a really dark side character, obviously, when he came out. All and, agile. That wasn't really a thing back then. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I, you know, I'm somebody who does not watch wrestling anymore at, in any kind of way to the regular sure. the prime. Sure. Bianca Belair did her thing last night. Okay. And, and yes. everyone's pissed that Bianca Belair wasn't the sole survivor. Not, not Freaking Lana to, was in the men's and women's uh, Raw versus not SmackDown. Gonna me, not going to get me to watch Sasha it. Banks and Asuka also had a great match. Not, not, nice. I'm telling you, if you have Simone watch some of these ladies, like, she'll get inspired. You know what I'm saying? She, yeah. I'm not saying she'll you know to wrestle. What? You know what's crazy? Oh, that's what I need. Because you know what my daughter's already doing? Climbing up on a couch. Next thing yeah. I need to think that she's jumping off the left turnbuckle to try to jump on me. We'll see how soon that'll happen. Sasha I'm not Banks sure I need that. Figure. Sasha Banks is an inspirational figure. You know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, Thanks. Yeah. No, but uh, any any other words for The Undertaker? Nah, I mean, you know, it was just great. Um, I, like... The, the WWE Network, who actually, and I will say this, from a content perspective, they were very early on, like, housing all of their own stuff on their app. And their original documentary stuff, like, you won't get the app. Like, I know that because, like, what, like why would you get it? Because you don't watch wrestling, whatever. But uh, there's a good amount of stuff there. I got to lend you my brother's account, maybe. So there's some stuff that you, like, documentaries and the original content they do. Some of it is actually, like, really well done. You know what I mean? Like, I'm watching it through the lens of, like, some of the stuff that you and I have done, and I'm like, yo, this is some good shit. They have a series called 24 where they follow a wrestler for, like, about two-month period, document the whole thing, and then they put it out. It's usually roughly around 30 minutes, and it's very interesting. You go to their house. You see them at a normal, you know, instance. You see them perform whatever backstage. It's actually, like, kind of like what a sideline story is. You know what I mean? It's kind of in that same sort of vein. They had a five-part documentary series on The Undertaker, much like what we saw with i guess you know the last dance or something along mm -hmm. those lines it was actually very compelling and it led to the undertaker basically saying like yeah i think i'm pretty much done which was then confirmed now so um the only unfortunate thing about the documentary was that like he, he was not hiding his republican allegiances but you know that's that's for another uh, discussion <laughs> i mean no well salute to the undertaker who had a very long career that started back in 1990 that makes me feel old because I remember seeing that at seven years old. I remember him the first time in WrestleMania. I remember watching that with a good friend of mine. I used to watch a lot of wrestling events back in the day, so that makes me feel old. But uh, a great character and wrestler. So, you know, I don't watch wrestling anymore, but, you know, you got to respect greatness, man. Salute to The Undertaker yeah. for sure. For yeah. sure. Definitely. All right, my one time for your mind uh, comes from the world of hip-hop. Not around an album or anything, but a list I saw. Not a list. Actually, it was a question posed by Double XL um, on and Twitter. circulated throughout Twitter. Yeah, circulated throughout Twitter. I thought it was a pretty good question, um, something I hadn't thought about. A lot of times people just put up questions for the sake of putting up questions. I'm kind of like, eh, whatever. But this is, what's the most iconic opening rap line ever? And I was like, huh, that's good. Now, look, I think it's way too hard. It's hard to just pick one. 
you could have one as your favorite. I do think a couple of things come to mind. Um, you know, and a lot of them are going to be things, look, sorry, kids, but a lot of these things are going to be some of the ones that have aged out, have been around for a little bit uh, longer and better. But I thought of thinking about this, um, I saw some other people post this as well, too. You know, it made me think about who had some of the great ones. And Biggie, for the kids, Notorious B.I.G., if you ever listen, I mean, he's got a lot of ones, man, that you're just like, his lines first couple of bars to kick off a song are just so memorable. Um, and Brian made this point to me before we started recording. We're talking about this, and I agree with him on this, which is saying that so much of it is in the delivery of what you're saying. It's not even just the bars, the words that stick with you, because the words have to be great, but it's also how so much is delivered. And for those who are fans of hip-hop and rap, we know delivery counts for a lot, right? And especially in those opening bars. When you think about a song like... Uh, you know, public service now, but P PSA for Ho. You know, my name is Ho, H to the OV. That, just even yeah. the way he delivers it and comes on that Just Blaze track, you know, resonates so well with people. But Biggie had me thinking about it um, a lot, you know, in a lot of songs that you have. You know, um, you know, when you think about Juicy, it was all a dream. I used to read Word of Magazine. You know, when you think about, you know, Warning. Who the F is this? Paging me at 546 in the morning. Yeah. Crack, you know what I mean? There are things that he comes with this delivery. Um, you know, you think about kicking the door. You're raining on the top of short yeah. like leprechauns. <laughs> you know, it's great. You think Big, about... You got a lot. You man. got a lot. You think about my downfall. My dreams filthy. My mom's and pops raised me with Jamaican rum and whiskey. So yeah. many great <laughs> opening lines to verses that I just love, man. That's just like, wow. And I think Big, I, I'm not sure anybody has the amount that Biggie had when I really think about it. Um, you know, there's others I love. I, stuff I love from Jay. the stuff we love from Nas. You know, uh, I had to hit up Brian and ask him before we talked about this what his favorite one. What's your favorite one, Brian? Tell the people what your favorite one is because I feel like it's right on brand. It's so <laughs> on brand for you, man. What's your favorite one? My favorite bar ever to start a hip-hop record. It's first off, fuck your bitch and the click you claim. <laughs> Hit him up by Tupac. Of is, course, anybody is anybody shocked? Is anybody shocked? But you know what it is? It's like, and I, it's like I told you before we started doing this, it's because it's it's just so, like, what a dick. You know what I mean? <laughs> to say this to this record. And it's just so, like, he just comes in and it's sing-songy. It's catchy. First off, fuck your bitch and the click you claim. West side, when we ride, come equipped with game. And then it gets into the whole shit after. And I'm like, yo. And then you brought up Hail Mary. And I was like, oh, wait, hold on. I might need to stand down. That's one of my Man, favorites. Up, don't push me. Revenge is like the sweetest joy next to get a pussy. Come on, son. Like, like. <laughs> just, just. Just that I have two in the top five. He does. And that line, just about comparing revenge to the joy of it, like and the fact that you are enjoying this so much to like the pleasure of sex is Yo, is a is, is a, it's it's a great line. It's a great way, opening line. By the way, he is so right. That's another discussion for another day. It's revenge, but that's another discussion. I don't know if I necessarily agree with the line, but I understand the sentiment and feeling behind desiring it. I'll say that much. He is so right. Um, Ghostface Killer was the one that I came back with. Like, he might have the most ever. Now, part of that is due to longevity. But, like, yo, in his first... Now, granted, he didn't start the song. So I don't know if that counts or whatever. But Wu-Tang... Yeah, see, ad-libs ad -libs don't count. Like, it don't count to me. It's a no, lot of starters. Wu-Tang is a special animal where it's like, all right. Like, when I first heard Uzi... I don't remember where I was, but I played this shit so many times over and over because I kept going to Ghostface's verse, where, <laughs> where the beginning of the verse, he's like, yo, what the fuck, yo? Yo, what the fuck y'all running for? Get the fuck away from my door, whatever he said. I'm like, that's how he started his verse? Oh that's, that's, that's typical Ghostface. That's typical Ghostface. <laughs> Yo, which is which is also funny because he's questioning why people were running, and in a lot of Ghostface songs, he's coming. the one who's running. Like, what the fuck y'all coming for? That's what he said. Yeah. And then this is the one where I was laughing at. I texted you earlier. Now this is a song, so this is this is this fits the category 100. percent Back like that, which you remember, radio song, 
kind of a not a chick song necessarily, but like yeah, it's definitely something. I love, I love that song with Neo. I love that song. I love it too. By the way, yeah. he had a great Neo. That was his debut album that came out that year. I had the hard copy. It's a really good fucking album. I Ghostface was, Killer I was playing it last night. Ghostface Killer, really? Oh shit! Yes. Ghostface Killer has a very good verse on the remix of "Get Down Like yeah, That" by yeah. Neo. Great song. But when they did, um, uh, uh, what's this, what's the song that I was just talking about? Back like that. Back like that. When they just did back like that. His first bar. Hey yo, I should just bark on you, burn your car on you, and <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you can pick, you can pick, like he, like. Like, just talking to this girl, this is the first thing he says on the phone. Or in person, rather, because she's there in the video. You know what I'm saying? I was, like, I, I was, last bar, his last bar in that song is actually great. I also think it's hilarious that those are the first two songs the two of them worked on together. And the songs are, like, two totally different vibes, right? Like, one, one is about, t- you know, talking about how you... Uh, are not going to be a player anymore with these women, and others like, sure, you did me wrong, let me get you back. And Ghostface is a completely different energy <laughs> on both of those songs. But, but, but great collab, great collaboration. And there's sure. some others we mentioned. AZ's Life's a Bitch. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, we man. talked about that on a couple different episodes. Michael Grady's brought it up on a couple episodes, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, and that, that verse, like, whether you rap or not, that should change a lot of people's life. You know yep. what I mean? Like, that's yep. straight up. Just the message of that verse is probably the best guest verse ever in hip-hop history. And AZ's next album, I'm actually looking forward to hearing it after hearing how he sounded on Full Circle, Do or Die 2. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Nas is like. So we mentioned yep. some knock ones. Uh, Nas is like Freedom of Jail, Clips asserted, Babies Being Born, Same Time Man, Murder, The Beginning, The End. Uh, rappers up, Monkey Flip em. Rappers up, Monkey Flip em with the funky rhythm. And it's just the way, you know what, you know what it is with that one in particular? It's because it starts off Illmatic, mm-hmm. and the beat is arguably the best beat ever made. Like that's what makes it. It's it's the bar, it's the delivery, it's the griminess of the beat, and it starts arguably the best hip hop album ever made. As far as like the first actual song in that album, because we know it comes after the Genesis. And the third, now is one I wanted to mention, or two more. Uh, the opening lines of One Mic. All I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one person mm-hmm. from my face on the front page. Like that. Like that's one of his five three best songs ever and i feel like that's an iconic thing because we we go back to one mic in a lot of other instances and then made you look i mean come on like <laughs> the big street single now let's put it all in perspective yeah like and then just the whole thing like you know a lot of the greats they have a bunch of these we mentioned jay-z uh jay-z has a bunch of these like his first his opening lines to dead presidents is one of my favorite dead presidents one just to be clear yeah that Wonder Rama shit, me yeah, and my conglomerates. Yeah, the whole yep. like Jay Z's got a bunch of those. Like a lot of these these level of dudes, they have a lot of those as well. I agree with that. You gotta have him a big. I'm still taking giving him the crown. He's got so many, man. He's got so many, and and I think that. But that is to Brian's point about delivery, and this is the reason I always have Biggie. Biggie's you know my third favorite rapper of all time in my my top five list. But the thing he has better than anybody, anybody, was delivery, man. And and his ability to switch it up and just the way he came onto the track was just unique, unlike anybody. And that's what you got another one? I just thought of another. So there's a couple others. Like I now that I think about it, it's coming more to me. Big L has a bunch of these. Um big pun in deep cover with, with well, twins rather. Over deep cover what's with Fat Joe. What's his opening Ready for line? war, Joe. How you want to yeah. this? That's a great one. That's part a great one. It, part of it also with some of these, now that I'm thinking about it, is you know where it ends. And with him, it's dead in the middle of Little Italy. Really? Like, you know but what see, I'm that's, saying? That's a memorable line off that, off that song, off that song yeah. though. That is a standout uh, couple of bars off that song. Yeah. Like, like, Big Pun, I feel like, has a few if I could really think about them as well. But, yeah, man. Ah, definitely. Hey, let us know. Uh, head us up. Let us know what you think some of the best uh, opening lines, most iconic opening lines in rap uh, history. I thought there was a good thing to talk about. It was an interesting question posed by XXL, so shout out to them uh, for, for doing that, talking about it. I thought it was fairly interesting and it's a good debate. People have tons of they think. It's just about how something hits you. That's the beauty of hip-hop. But uh, that's it. It's closing time, not opening line time, for this episode of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, number 156. Please be sure 
to leave us a review. Also, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanksgiving is coming for a lot of people. I hope people take the time to spend time with their family safely, not in groups of 30. Some of y'all are generally doing that. Maybe this year, not maybe, this is not the year to be doing that. Please nah. help everybody. Single digits. Single, Single digits, digits man. I'm doing, I'm doing maybe seven, eight. That's it. If you're going to do I'm it, like don't see people, get tested, um, but be safe, enjoy the holiday, eat well, be well, be grateful and thankful for what you have and the people around you and the time that you have to spend it with them. If there's anything this year should teach people that, uh, we are thankful for you guys, the listeners and the viewers and the supporters uh, and everybody who supported us over the years and to continue doing what we're doing. We are definitely grateful for you. Wish everybody the most of blessings through this Thanksgiving. Uh, that's it for this episode of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, episode 156, as I said, for Brian Fonseca. Sure. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace. <laughs>